just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Turn any corner in this county and you will find a med spa. It's a place where you can have minor work done, usually on your face, like lip flips, Botox, or filler. We Utahns love our med spas. We are savage for a youthful glow. But are we ready to start being honest about it? It's Monday, April 3rd. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Meg Walter, Deseret News Features writer. Every time I drive down I-15, there are billboards everywhere advertising med spas. Of course, the most famous is Beauty Lab and Laser, heavily featured on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. These are places all over our county and our state where you can get filler, Botox, facials. What's up with our obsession with what I'm calling face edits? Who's we? Is we the women of Utah? I think so. Hmm. Well, I if you're asking me, Meg Walter, we are so obsessed with face edits because they are easy to do, <laughs> it turns out, hmm. um, because we've all been staring at faces with filters on them for 10 years. And I think maybe partly because we have kids, uh, we have a lot of them and we have them fairly young and kids can wreck your body in a lot of ways and even your face in a lot of ways that make you feel not wholly yourself. Um, And these uh, relatively accessible face edits, I think for a lot of women are a way to restore some of the confidence they once had. I'm speaking here as Meg Walter, not as a uh, sociologist or psychologist or any sort of expert. I'm speaking as a Utah woman. Major follow-up question, because I don't have kids. There are a lot of reasons for that, but I didn't know they could destroy your face. Yeah, I mean, I think every pregnancy can do different things to your body, and there are women who Mm. experience changes to their face with that. And, you know, I don't want to accidentally include any body shaming in this conversation, but I think um, for a lot of women, having children means a weight gain that Mm. becomes a lot harder to manage. First of all, you're much busier. And second of all, you, you know, having babies just like fundamentally changes your body and its chemistry. And I think that it can get to a point for a lot of women where they feel like they just can't catch up you know, Hmm. and everyone's telling them that they're supposed to look a certain way and um, that can feel impossible. And I think that's why some of us turn to, as you called them, face edits to maybe hack that a little bit. Right. I'm calling them face edits because I often hear them described as like a perfection. Like, why are we obsessed with perfection? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't 
believe <laughs> that. Like, I'm like, what is that? Like, yeah. right. It depends on who you ask. Yeah. And so to me, it's just like a face at it. Like, and I love that you brought up AI and like the internet and like whether we're staring at ourselves on Zoom or on Instagram or on Snapchat, like through filters, like those feel like face edits to me. Totally. I mean, yeah. I'm much more comfortable posting a selfie with the Paris filter on it. I do the Paris filter every time. And right. maybe that's inauthentic, but I want to look my best. I mean, I like the film noir filter because oh. it just casts a full shadow on your yeah. face. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> well, you asked me who goes to these places. I said Utah women, moms. Am I missing the mark there? Who do you think no, is going? No, no, I do. I think that it's uh, Utah women. I think it's moms increasingly more and more moms. I think that celebrities were the first to do this. Um, and I think that influencers were the next tranche. <laughs> and yeah. then I think that it became uh, moms and women in a certain income bracket. And I think that we'll just continue to see it trickle down as it becomes more and more accessible to all kinds of women. Yeah, I think that's already happening because I have a lot of friends who are not yet moms. They're not necessarily even married. And they're lining up for fillers. Yeah. It feels so accessible. And you did bring up accessibility. And also just that face edits are sort of like maybe easier procedures. Like they're more in and out. But I can't imagine they're cheap. No, I, they're not cheap. But I do wonder if they will become increasingly more affordable um, mm. as accessibility grows. I hope that doesn't mean an inferior product. And I hope right. that doesn't mean like unlicensed um, injectors, because that could get mm -hmm. really scary. But I do think that over time, the price will go down and more women will have the opportunity to access these procedures if they want to. So but right now, I mean, people are budgeting for this, like they're prioritizing it. And, you know, we all spend money on different things. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that if I don't know, I'm already regretting this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I Tell budget me why. for I, because. I am a patron of these places yeah. and I do have filler and I do do Botox. Um, and I think that there's still shame in admitting that, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because all we want from people is authenticity, right? Um, yeah. We're so mad at the Kardashians when they say, oh, I just do a little Botox. And we're all like, no, you absolutely right. do not just do Botox. You have injections. Why don't you just tell us that? But when People admit that they get these injections. For some reason, they are automatically labeled as a vapid, wealthy, selfish person, I think, in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, who is too caught up in their own um, image. And maybe that's who I am. I don't think that's who I am. I, I don't think it's who you are. <laughs> thank you, Allie. I appreciate that. I, you know, came of age in the early aughts. Um mm -hmm. So it's no surprise to anyone that body dysmorphia is something that I and a lot of my peers encounter still as a 37-year-old yeah. woman. And I had the opportunity to try this for a fairly low price, and I did it, and I loved it. And yeah. for me, it was a way to get out of my own head. I'm still hesitant to talk about it because I still feel like the backlash would be, look, she's so vapid. Why would she spend money on that? You know, why isn't she feeding children in starving countries? There's just still this stigma around it. Yeah, but I think, Meg, that you and I, because I'm 32, I think you and I as 
being in a sort of similar age range. I think the stigma is more present for us than it is for people who are younger than us. I hope so. We see it more when we think someone's either gone too far. So we're kind of like drawing this imaginary line around how much we think people should be engaging with this, which definitely is its own version of stigma. And then I also think like, we talk about it when it went bad. We laugh about it or we like are really negative about it. But my theory is that part of the reason that you and I might carry some of this stigma is because you brought up the aughts and like growing up sort of, I don't know, like anyone who was raised between like the 80s and the like late aughts, we grew up in the era of the bimbo. Like it's this sort of like dumb, ditzy woman who uses her looks to get ahead in society, but also we're supposed to believe she's dumb. Like we believed that bimbos were real, which Anna I think Smith. younger, right? I think younger generations have kind of myth busted the bimbo. I hope so. But I wonder if there's a fear that like if you have a filler or something that like you're inching towards bimboism. The first thing I did was a little bit of chin filler. Um, and I remember saying to the injector, am I the kind of person who does that? who does this? Mm. And she kind of laughed at me. But in my brain, I was like, is this who I am? Can I get chin filler and be smart? (laughs) Can I? Because there was that stigma, you know, that the people who get fillers are the real housewives. They are only on Bravo or they are, like you said, the bimbos of the 90s. Is it possible? Can the Venn diagram overlap? And the more people I talk to, 1000%, Everybody I know is doing this, just not a lot of people are openly talking about it because of Mm -hmm. that stigma, but that is changing. Right. If I do this thing that is fake, does it make me less real? Extend that argument to anything I do. My hair color hasn't been real since I was 15. You you know, like so so much of me is already that way. I had a therapist once say to me, um, life is drag. And Mm. I think about it all the time because I was like, I just want to be my true authentic self. And sometimes I feel like I'm lying to the world and I don't even know, you know, like normal therapy, white woman problems. And he said, you are who you choose to be, right? Right. So I chose to have a little bit of a bigger chin and that's who I am. And I can still be smart and I can still write, you know, and I can still be a genuine person. It's just like... It's not that deep, fam, you know, and I mm-hmm. feel like there's there's because of the stigma, it feels so weird and new and there's still so much shame. But I, I think that's needless. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. 
Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Can I ask a practical question? How permanent are some of these face edits? About six months. Six months. Okay. So (laughs) it's not a nose job. Mm -mm. Like this is not a permanent change. No. It is like a hair color. Hair color grows out in six months. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's like I'm going to try this and see if I like it. If I don't like it, I won't re-up. Right. Yeah. So it's not very permanent at all. Okay. I think that's important. Well, What changes when we start talking about these things more openly? I mean, I do think that the price right now is a tough barrier to entry. Let's be honest. The better looking you are, the easier it is to get into a lot of rooms, right? Mm -hmm. And so even like career-wise, and are are women missing out on things because they don't have access to these expensive procedures um, that would enhance their appearance. Like, are we are we widening the income divide? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a sweaty argument, but it's because it's not available to all women. Is it something that is helping the rich get richer? Mm-hmm. And is that gatekeeping? So that problem exists. But if we're speaking openly and candidly about it, I think that people who don't get these things can maybe feel a little less bad. When you learn what the Kardashians do to look the way you look, you're like, that's insane. I'm not doing those things. So I'm not going to look like that. And Mm -hmm. I know the implication I'm making here is that like, I'm the most beautiful person alive and that people shouldn't feel bad if they don't look like me. And that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that there are a lot of people who have this sort of unattainable beauty it can seem. And knowing that they got a lot of help and that they are injections might help some people say, oh, they actually aren't that beautiful. Like they Mm -hmm. actually just paid a lot of money for that. And that's fine. That's not the choice I want to make. I think it can also go the other way where the unattainable becomes the reality. And then that becomes really hard for the people who can't afford these things. Right. I mean, that's like basically was the introduction of airbrushing in magazines. Like we kind of already went through this bell curve with smoothing out people's legs or stomachs in magazine photo shoots. 
And now it feels like we all just kind of accept that we know that photos we look at are edited. Like our brains now say, this is not how this celebrity actually looks. I know this has been Photoshopped. And I would think that same sort of bell curve would happen here. When I see a woman with remarkable cheekbones, my brain goes to, ah, she gets fillers. Mm. And I don't know if that's because I'm familiar with this industry and I know a lot of people who did it, or if everyone's at that point where they see a woman with remarkable cheekbones and they think, ah, she's had something done to her face. I think it's your familiarity because I don't consider myself a deeply naive person, but boy, just this year, I have realized how deeply naive I am about the range of offerings at med spas. Like I just thought everyone on TikTok was just extremely hot. (laughs) And then a friend sat me down and was like, let me just name like three procedures that I bet you didn't even know existed. But I wanna bring it back a little bit to this state specifically, because I think we've identified two things. One is that it seems like broadly the goal in these med spas is to make people look younger. Mm -hmm. It seems like the marketing, the target audience is people over 35 who want to look younger. They're trying to get back in touch with a different phase in their life. And the other thing we've identified is that there are just a ton of these in Utah. Like these are our Starbucks. And so why do you think that is? Because Utah is what you study. (laughs) So, like, why are we at that crossroads here? Well, now I'm going to sound like a bad scholar uh, because I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know the exact answer. I think that influencer culture has a lot to do with it because filters are so prominent and because they let out on this. Could it be that we're freezing cold and we're just looking for reasons to be happy at the end of March when it's snowing outside? A little bit of lip filler. (laughs) Um, I think that appearance is important to us. Um, it's funny when I go to other states and I go to the grocery store, I forget how dressed up we are here. Hmm. When we moved back here from Colorado and I went to a Target, I thought like, what are we all going to church after? Like, what is, what is going on? Like everybody looks so good with their hair curled and their jeans on and their heeled boots, like to go to Target. I don't know why that's the culture here. It just always has been. Um, And I think that this is probably part of that. We just want to look our best at all times. Do you think there's any way that it has anything to do with the fact that Utah has a very matrimonial culture? Like for a lot of Utah, specifically religious Utahns, like people get married young. Like if you got married at 22 and you had your first kid at 25, like by the time you're 35, you might feel like you want to revisit youth in a way that like someone like me who's 32, like I think I'm in my 20s. Like I feel so young. Like I don't feel aged in life. Well, but that's funny because neither do I, but I did have my first kid when I was 26. I mean, I have had three kids and I still feel like a kid playing, (laughs) playing a mom, you know, like I have a kid going into middle school and I'm like, whose kid is this? (laughs) But I did wake up when I was 35 and looked old, like I looked older. (laughs) And part of that could have been that we were living in a global pandemic and everything was really stressful. Maybe this is me grasping to like the youth that I think I have, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just think in a place where we prioritize women getting married, 
the male gaze, the beauty standard is felt. Even for me as someone who is not necessarily in that part of Utah culture, sure. you can feel that pressure. Like it's pretty palpable. I was in the car with my sister who lives in L.A. Um, and actually we were on our way home from getting our lips done. So she, it was pretty ironic when she said uh, she saw, I think it was a beauty lab and laser or a cool sculpting billboard, and she said, oh, Utah's so vain. And I was like, mm. you live in L.A.? You live in L.A., Los Angeles, like where the celebrities are. But she said, it's just different here. It feels different here. And I, I haven't been able to articulate what that difference is, and she wasn't able to either. Personally, it just was a way to feel okay about myself. And I think mm. that's probably the case for a lot of people who do that. But, you know, there's all kinds of motivations out there. Meg Walter, Deseret News feature writer, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Utah loves to boast about its thriving economy. But in tandem with that, we've also got some serious staffing shortages in some of our biggest fields. One of them is healthcare which means legislators are looking to make the most of our existing healthcare workforce, most recently giving nurse practitioners more leeway. We just became the 27th state to grant nurse practitioners full practice authority, which means they don't need to be supervised by a physician and can have their own practice. For example, evaluating and diagnosing patients, interpreting diagnostic tests, and managing a full scope of medications and treatments. What makes nurse practitioners different from nurses? They've got a master's degree, and in many cases, a PhD. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.